Chris Ryan. I'm looking for Alex Simmons. Is he right? Oh, yeah. Let me just check and see if Mr. Simmons is in. Uh, Mr. Simmons, there's a Mr. Ryan here to see you. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, I'll be right out. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Hey, Alex. Sorry if I interrupted. <laughs> how are you? Uh, it's fine. We were just sitting here having lunch. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh-huh. <laughs> how you doing, on, Bo? Hey, you know, just 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 getting ready to go do a couple of things this afternoon. I have to look at some old films because I'm going to be doing a presentation at the Botanical Gardens in a few days. Oh, fantastic! What's that presentation about? Well, it's um, it's actually uh, uh, based on representation of uh, Honolulu and Hawaiians in early films, and it's based around an exhibit of art by Georgia O'Keeffe. Uh, Georgia O'Keeffe. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll tell you more about that later. But anyway, because I don't know when this is going to air, and maybe before or after that. Right. No problem. But, but either way, yeah. So I'm going to be doing that. So I, I have some prep to do this afternoon uh, for that. Uh, which again, the actual date is is uh, is down the down the way a few well, about a week or so. But it does, in a way, tie into what we're talking about because it is a way of. Feeding the muse, yes. Yes. Oh, very nicely done. Nice little segue there, Captain. I try, my uh, my friend. <laughs> so why don't you expound upon that? Tell the folks well, what exactly that means and what what we were talking about. Uh, I've uh, in in studying some of my writing heroes, this concept came up about feeding the muse, and and whether you believe in um, some spiritual connection that writes through you, the muse or inspiration, the mythical inspiration, the muse. The, the truth is as writers uh, or, or filmmakers or artists or actors, you give a performance or you create something and you pour all your creative energy into it. So like a gas tank in a car, the tank gets empty. And in order for us to continue to create, we really have to feed the muse. We have to keep putting stuff in there that then we use as if it's, you know, protein in the body or whatever mm. to, to drive our next uh, creative effort. Um, so the question becomes, uh, or, or the, the look that we're going to do today is, you know, ways that we can and ways that you can feed the muse. Um, you know, one of the things that, uh, and, and Stephen King is such a great example of this. One of the things that they say about writers is that writers, yeah, they need to write every day, but they should be reading all the time. Mm. And Stephen King is, I mean, if you ever see any pictures of him that are not, you know, uh, you know, uh, headshots for the back cover, he tends to have a book in his hand, um, matter of fact, when he wrote, uh, uh, when he got uh, the um, the accident that knocked him out of writing for a while, he was doing his walk. You know, he has to get some exercise, and he always was reading on the side of the road as he was walking. Oops! And a car, and a car hit him. You know, um, reading all the time. Probably, maybe not at the side of the road, but we re- should read all the time. And what you read. It, it it almost doesn't matter because it will filter in and through you and come out another way. I mean, sometimes I read writers in my genre. Other times I'll read like David B. and Cooley 
who writes only about television or I'll read, I like biographies. I'll read, you know, something like that. Or, you know, if I'm reading for my day job as a teacher, it'll be some kind of piece of literature. And mm-hmm. all of that goes in, you know, goes in one side and comes out, and comes out fingers, you know? Yeah. But same thing with music, same thing with movies. Uh, last night, the wife and I went to see, we got gifted these uh, tickets to a, a thing called, um, it was the New Jersey Wind Symphony, and it was called a side-by-side concert where the uh, older established um, um, members of the symphony sat side-by-side by, with high school students from New Jersey who oh. were exceptional music- musicians, and they did, um, uh, let's see, Leonard Bernstein, and they did uh, Debussy, and they did all sorts of stuff. And it, Gary Debussy? No, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. Uh, Claude. They did Claude. And yeah. um, it was in a, a church which had great sound. And to hear a live symphony is not something that uh, the wife and I had ever done before. And it's it's just a, it's a different kind of energy that goes into you. And I'm sure, you know, some of that energy will come into the stuff that I'm working now. Um you also can feed the muse negatively. You know, you want to get yourself angry. You know, for me, I, my latest novel that is out, A Simple Rebellion, uh, come, is a direct reaction to my uh, status as a news junkie. You know, I was a reporter at one time in my life. I do keep up with the news. Uh, the news has been very political over the last two or three years, although some would argue that it always was. Um, and my reaction is, was to where is this world going? If it keeps going in this direction, how far will it get? And the simple rebellion is that the answer to that. Um, so that was another way to feed the muse. You know, sometimes it's a quiet dinner and sometimes it's just having an experience with your children. You know, Tyler, wow. your, your godson, my son, Tyler, graduated college. Uh, this week, and it was... I wasn't there, but we're not going to talk about that. I understand that. I, uh, I apologize. <laughs> we kept it quiet and simple. Uh, but it was an ex- extraordinarily beautiful day, um, just in its simplicity mm. and uh, the feeling of family, which is not something I always... You know, we were a cramped Bronx family with, uh, uh, you know, a lot of struggles growing up. Um, this was the opposite experience and it was, it was beautiful. And, you know, all of these things can be the muse. Absolutely. Well, can feed the muse. Excuse me. How about you? How do you feed the muse? Well, you know, actually, I think you and I are going to be, uh, on the same page, uh, uh, in a lot of this. I mean, for me, there's, there's certain ways that, that, that have always stimulated me, you know, starting out as a kid, it was a lot of films and comic books and television. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, was, I, I was raised by my mom, a single parent. Uh, we were raised, I was raised in a poor neighborhood. Um, although I went to school eventually with kids who were middle class and upper middle class, but ultimately we didn't have those funds. So, you know, going off on wild vacations and uh, the theater and things like that, that wasn't happening uh, initially. So, it was what I read. It was reading comics. It was some books from the library, but a lot more comics. It was um, television, which was you know really hot and heavy in those days, in the, in the late 50s, early 60s. 
uh, it was also um, eventually school did have a couple of trips where we went to places. And so, you know, I, the first play that I ever saw was the Mikado, Gilbert and Sullivan's Mikado. Mm-hmm. At, and I can't where it was, but I think it was like, you know, city, uh, not Lincoln Center, but it was like a town hall or something like that. And it blew me away because I had never seen anything like that before. And the next school trip was uh, to see MAME. So again, you know, live theater with the set pieces and, and the, the lighting and the actors and the costumes. It was just like mind boggling. And as far as I was concerned, my imagination was already fired up. Now it was supercharged. So I would you know, make up my own stories. I had action figures I played with and I would just, you know, create all kinds of scenarios for them. And I eventually got my hands on a little black and white camera and I would take I would pose my action figures and take pictures and make up stories around that. So it started there. But as I got older, you know, and in particular, you know, the late 60s, early 70s, we're going through the civil rights period. There's a lot more information coming in. And so now it's life. It's what's happening in the world. It's what's happening to my people, with my family, um, me, you know, because by this point now I'm a teenager. I'm, the hormones are kicking in. Um, there are more expectations from your school responsibilities. What are you going to do with your life? Where are you going to go up to college? You know, what are you going to become? So there was a lot of life coming in there and me trying to figure out how to filter that. What did I want to be? I eventually figured I wanted to be an actor. And, you know, I started pursuing that. So it was people that I saw. It was places that I went. It was books or, or music that I was exposed to. These things just kept coming in and through my imagination and through my view of life, I started creating things, creating uh, characters, creating story ideas, and eventually writing a couple of you know plays that didn't go anywhere at first. But by the time I hit my adult years, I'd written uh, a couple of plays that were performed. And I didn't realize until I think it was probably the 80s, sometime in the 80s, uh, there was a play at the Negro Ensemble called uh, a Soldier's Play, which eventually became a movie with Denzel Washington. And I Earl remember Sanders. that. I remember that play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so a Soldier's Play became the movie A Soldier's Story, um, and I went to see the play and got to know some of the actors. And one of the actors introduced me to a book. Um, it was a historical piece about an actual black actor from the 1800s by the name of Ira Aldridge. Mm-hmm. started out in theater at uh, the Negro uh, Theater in New York, the African Theater, rather, in New York City in that era, and then followed British actors to Europe and performed in various parts of Europe, became a continental success. This blew my mind. And I started reading more and more about this guy, and then eventually, because I'm a Sherlock Holmes junkie, started to see a crossover of what happened to Ira and his family as the years rolled on and how that could become a Sherlock Holmes play. And I just began to look at it and overlap and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I started writing that. And that was one of the first pieces where I combined history with fiction. And I later found that I was doing that with some of my other projects. And I began to realize that that's one of the things using fiction to take us or have folks take a look back at points and places and people in history that maybe weren't getting as much exposure as they should. Right. And so again, you know, life, things that you read, things that you hear, things that you see, uh, those were, those are where the muses are for me quite often. Um, and, and, you know, having quiet time to filter that stuff, to, 
to let that marinate in you and then see how it will come out in your art is is basically you know part of what I believe and what I live, but also what I try and teach. Yeah, and I and I think that if there's any advice we can give, um, it uh, it echoes former Mayor Bloomberg, New York City Mayor Bloomberg's father. Is uh, the story goes that his mother was upset that young Bloomberg was um, just reading the sports pages, and uh, his father successful man on his own said it doesn't matter as long as they read as long as something's going in it can always expand to something else and i think that's the uh, we can uh, extrapolate from that feed the music whatever it is comic books you know novels pulp novels or great literature uh, classic movies or the latest shoot 'em up Baseball, probably (laughs) podcasts, you know, Um, baseball, anything that comes in and excites your interest, you know, and perhaps maybe try things that you haven't tried before, you know, try a symphony, Uh, look at a black and white movie. If you're a millennial, you know, say, what the hell? Give it a shot. Casablanca. You may say, oh, my God, that's something that's worth checking out. Yeah, absolutely. As, as for us, we have to try out some of the new stuff that the millennials are bringing. You know, I absolutely. watched um, Childish Gambino's uh, uh, video new came out recently. Yeah, uh, I saw This it. is America. Um, yeah. Again, I have to adjust to what's going on there, and then it's new stuff to feed the muse, and that's yeah. You know, just, you know what that leads practice. to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny. Um, I told you a story uh, when we were talking one time and you said, you know, you should definitely bring that up. So I will. Um, I talk about, you know, some of the things that feed the muse or things that happen in, in, you know, that you see things that happen on the street or as you're traveling about or whatever, or things that happen in your life. And um, one of the things I've worked with a lot of young people over the years, I mean, I've taught, you know, students in elementary junior and and high school and college creativity you know i'm an arts and ed consultant i'm a teaching artist so i go places and i teach what i do so talking to young people is is not something i shy away from most of the time i don't but talking in. is something you don't shy away from. Yeah, well, thank you very much sir. <laughs> I, I do it well. Thank you so much. But anyway, <laughs> i was um i was with my my daughter who you know is in her twenties, uh, and her boyfriend, and we were at an amusement park here in the New York area called Great Adventures, and we'd been there most of the day. And this was, yeah, you know, it's it's a blessing when your child, when your children actually wants you to accompany them to a fun place. I mean, you know, don't don't take that lightly. When your kids are at the age of where they theoretically be blowing you off, you know, and slamming the door in your face or telling you you don't know and you don't understand. Let me invite you to go somewhere and spend time with them. Go. Yes, please. Savor those moments. So I was there, and we were actually having a really good time. She talked me into going on five different roller coaster rides, which roller coaster was not my favorite thing. So only my daughter could talk me into doing this. But, you know, she'd done that. And uh, towards the last two rides that we were on, uh, we had seen a group of young men, young African-American men, young teenagers, you know, and they they weren't bad kids. They, They weren't. They weren't thugs. They weren't hostiles. It was none of that. They were full of themselves. 
They were full of juice and energy and feeling like just feeling the power of young, young men, you know, out in the world, right, and having a good time uh, and out of control to one small extent. They kept jumping lines. And it was, you know, it was irritating the people. And after about the, you know, I saw him do it three times. And after about the third time um, in this one particular ride, one of the, the ladies who was there with several younger children of her own called him out on it. And she wasn't vulgar. She didn't make any, you know, slurs, racial slurs. Although, you know, again, the crowd around us was predominantly white. Uh, she didn't go there. But she just basically called it as rude. What you're doing is wrong. You should stop, blah, blah, blah. I've been watching you do it all day. And to their credit, the young men did not lash out verbally. They didn't curse her out. They didn't do that. Three of them kept trying to eke forward, but going, yeah, yeah, okay, 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 right, right. You know, and two or three of them backed off, thinking like, ooh, okay, well, wow, we got called out. You know, let's let's just chill back here, right? So at a certain point, you know, the, the lady was upset and the, the three guys up front didn't move back. And, you know, so it just became this incident. And the attendee at the head of the line obviously notified people and basically said, as we were eventually all let in, that security would deal with these guys, you know, because enough is enough. And I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling bad for a bunch of reasons. And one of them is because, you know, again, 80% of the people around us are white. And here are these young men. And I, I could tell what some of the folks there were thinking. I'm not saying that they're all making racial slurs. Just bottom line, oh, dear. You know, oh, well, mm, you could see it on some of their faces. And we get in. We do the ride. We come out. No security. Nobody's chastising them. Nobody's on them, you know, that we can see. And you see people coming out looking at them. And, to, and I'm thinking, you know, these guys are going to. They're going to go do something else to, and maybe get in real trouble. Maybe maybe security will eventually show up and throw them out. It could turn into an ugly situation. And, you know, the way the world is right now, it could get even uglier. So as my daughter and I are heading towards a store near the ride, I can't. I turn and I go towards them. I told I said, my daughter, just wait here. I'll, I, I've got to try and talk to her. So I went over to them and I said, look, guys, you know, you know, I, 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 basically approached them, not from a hostile point of view, just can, can I talk to you for a minute? And I basically said, you know, look where you are. Okay. And I understand you're feeling your oats and all that. I got that. I get it. But look where you are. So what do you think many of the people around here might be thinking at this moment? The way you guys have been acting. And they, they, you know, they knew they, they again, you could tell instantly. Okay. Oh man, I got called out. You, you, you get the feeling if any of their family, older family member had been there, they would have jumped on them immediately. So they, they, they said, yeah, 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 you know, right. And I said, look, guys, you know, don't play to the stereotype. Man. You know, why would you do that? You know, you're, you're having a good time. Just have a good time. Be respectful. Be who you are. Respect yourself. That's all I wanted to say. We talked for a few moments. This gentleman came up behind me. He was one of the, the members, but he's a slightly older than the others. And he came up behind me and, you know, I felt him coming up and I turned and I saw him and he said, you know, oh, uh, how do you do? So what's happening? And I said, I was just talking to you boys here. You know, we we're just talking and I was fine. And everybody was cool. There was no hostility, no disrespect on any part, not from me to them or vice versa. So we had these nice words. And I basically said, look, you know, guys, have a good time. Please just just watch out for yourselves, please. Right. And my daughter turned out to be right behind me there. And she said something nice to him, you know, just a passing remark. Reminding them again, you know, watch your backs, you know, be cool, right? What else did she say? Well, that's the other thing. (laughs) 
she had stayed where I told her to stay initially until she saw this man walking up behind me. And she immediately came up behind him. And she had positioned herself behind him in case he had not been as cool as he was. And when I realized that's what she did, that my, my 20 some odd year, my 22 year old daughter had positioned herself to cover her dad's back. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I was just, you know, I was, I was almost speechless. I was almost speechless. I was smiling from ear to ear. She's chattering away and I'm just loving her like crazy, you know? And in my head, the reality of all that, you know, cause it could have gone any number of other ways. The reality of all that was just overwhelming because a, I was glad everything worked out the way it did, but I, you know, the love, you know, that's something, you know, to know that she would do that. And that will definitely play into something that I write. Oh, of course. But yeah. there's also one line that she said that gave them food for thought. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She reminded them in her own inimitable style that drawing that kind of attention to themselves, putting themselves in a position where authority might come after them could have gone coyote ugly. She didn't use those words. She just basically let them know that could have gone real wrong. And somebody could have been in an ambulance or body bag heading to the hospital or the morgue. And it's a, it's a different story than the story of a loved one backing you up. Mm-hmm. But it's a story that keeps re- retelling itself in the public eye, you know? And yeah. I think there's some merit to the story about a loved one backing you up, but also having the street wisdom to say, you know, not only were, as my father says, you were perpetuating a stereotype that we're trying to put behind us, but also know your own history. You know, we're in a time where things could have gone this way. Mm-hmm. Not from this guy, because my father's not that, you know, but it's it was to me such a multifaceted buffet for the muse. Mm. You know, there's 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 a lot there. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what you do with it, but, (laughs) but I always look forward to see what you do with stuff. (laughs) You know, it's, it's funny too, because, um, some things are easier to plug in than others. And, you know, the emotional effect that her doing that had on me is so powerful Mm -hmm. that it's something that will have to sit with me for a while. Yeah. take a place where, yeah, I can share it in a story. You know, telling it this way is still me feeling it. Putting it into a fictional piece, it becomes something different, not necessarily bad or good, just something different. It's another form of presentation. And right now, this still feels very personal. And it it may not become a father-daughter story. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a piece um, that I wrote, you're kind enough to let me write blackjack stories and it was um i'm gonna forget the character's name marie no um what the the girl who fights with him yes yeah uh, mariam 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 asked blackjack to protect the village 
and he did it because she asked him. Mm-hmm. That's me and my little sister. Yeah. You know, both of us are not little anymore. We're both adults, but it's still to that point. And it's that it's to honor that relationship. He would never because Blackjack would never consider saying no. And neither would I to, to my sister, you know, right, right, uh, no. but you can't recognize that from the story. You can just recognize the tie, you know, and that's how the muse sometimes, you know, digests your life and makes art out of it in a way that does, you know, we don't have to have a neon sign saying that's my baby sister. That doesn't make a difference. Or this is a father daughter thing. The, the bond the 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 real core the reason we tell stories is so that we know we're not alone mm. right that we experience things that others experience and that here's the mo- ro- roadmap of how some people did their hero's journey or their challenge that's the core reasons you know that we need story after you know food water shelter right we need that kind of that's how primal it is with us and people can pick up on you know if it's miriam and blackjack they can pick up the bond it doesn't have to be brother and sister they are brother and sister in a different way you know and it's that idea feed the muse ladies and gentlemen feed the muse in all directions and let it come out and help you tell the story i'm sorry i gotta do it and let it help you tell the damn, the damn story. story. <laughs> That's the right. You go. <laughs> and 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 on that note, Captain, uh, I will say once again, this has been great, uh, and you'll be hearing more and more from us as we also hear more and more from you. So reach out, you know, and let us know what you think. Yep, there's okay? a comment section at the bottom. Please let us know. You got it. Okay, Chris, you take care. Give my best. Well, you too. All my love, brother. You got it. Take care. Bye, bye, everybody. Bye.